0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Outside the Walls podcast. My name is John White. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve Reeves. And I'm Casey McDonald. And today we are joined by special guest Paul Pollard. Paul has been a professor at Harding University for 40 years in the Bible Department, teaching primarily Greek. Mm-hmm. And uh, he preached for 20 years at the Northside Church of Christ in Augusta. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Paul.
1: Thank you. Good to be here. And. Appreciate this invitation being with such fine gentlemen as we have here at this table. Well, let's
2: hope that's still true at the end well, of this. We're, 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 we'll, we'll take that little bit, you know. Well, I, I'd like to I'd like to say personally what a what a joy it is to have Paul with us. Paul uh, was one of my uh, uh, professors uh, at Harding uh, a long time ago now, <laughs> and uh, but uh, I had elementary Greek uh, with Paul and. Uh, still remember that class extremely well and have been uh, appreciative of it for so many years. And uh, Paul, not only that, but uh, we've had a friendship that has lasted for many, many years now. And so, Paul, it's a personal pleasure to welcome Mm -hmm. you.
1: Thank you, Steve. Mm-hmm. I'm still glad you speak to me after <laughs> I persecuted you, persecuted right. you relentlessly, right. and Casey too. Yeah. Know, so yeah. I'm glad you still like Yeah, it. we do, we yeah. do. Thanks, well, so. I, re-
3: I remember having you as a professor and you always made us think that we are scholars even as much as we were not. You, you would always greet us every day, welcome scholars, welcome yeah, scholars. <laughs> I don't remember that Greek experience. <laughs>
2: teacher
0: had a different approach about uh, how smart we were.
1: Well, I I was always blessed with good students, and so it was the easiest job in the world for me because I had great students. Well, I
2: know I was probably the exception, but...
0: Well, now everyone knows where to go to get some great stories about Steve. Oh, sure. yeah,
1: I, I, I could probably conjure up two, three.
2: I, I would think. I, I'm afraid so. <laughs>
0: well, Paul, today we wanted to talk with you about a book uh, that was written by a man named Tom Rainer, uh, The Post-Quarantine Church. Can um, can kind of throw that up there real quick. Um, and this is a, a book that you read and then sent a sort of a summary slash review around to I guess various churches, at least it got to our eldership. Yeah.
1: Well, actually, I sent it to Dan Williams' blog. Okay. And so he uh, liked it and wanted to put it out, and so that's where I actually put it out for the first time. I did uh, – I think I sent a little uh, blog, little summary to our eldership at College Church, and so uh, that may be where you guys saw well, I think I know, that got passed around, uh, Scott you know?
2: Ragsdale, one of our uh, elders here – is the one who passed it around among our elders okay. and uh, our staff. And so um, we uh, we proceeded then to read the book. Uh, okay. I know all of us on staff have. Oh, good. Okay. And I think a, a number of our elders have read it as well. well
1: good. Well, yeah. you know, we have to kind of keep our eyes open, and sometimes the news is maybe not as good as we'd like for it to be. But we do have to kind of keep our ears out for what's going on and, you know, this guy's been a church consultant for thirty years and mm-hmm. so I thought, well, he's bound to have something to say. You know, we may not agree with all of it. And I certainly don't. But it's some food for thought, you know. Right. And if it gets a conversation going, then mm-hmm. and here we are. Maybe that's good. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's good. That is a good <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. So one of one of the
0: first things I wanted us to chat a little bit about was Tom makes it really clear, um, very early in the book that you know, he's having conversations with all these different church leaders, mm-hmm. and they keep saying, Well, when are we going to get things back to normal? Yeah. And, and the first kind of point he has to drive home is that back to normal is not there. Yeah. We're not going back to how it was. And not, yeah. not to say that churches wouldn't come back to some sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. but things have been forever changed. Can you kind of speak to what, what that means and kind of what that looks like for churches?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think that this is kind of blunt language he's using there. And, and I think he has a point that's a very good point that makes us at least realize that what we were before, we will be part of, but we will never, ever have it exactly like we had before. For one thing, we're not going to have the same people back before that we had before. Mm-hmm. And so even if everything else is fairly normal, there going to be some other things that are a little bit abnormal for us. And so I think we, we like the status quo. We know we're conservative people. Our elderships are mostly pretty conservative, and we like the status quo. We like, we like that good, comfortable feeling, and we want to always kind of have that comfortable mm. feeling. We don't like anybody to rock the boat or change it. And so uh, it's, it's a statement that really resonated with me because I had talk with people about, well, when we get back to normal, then I read this book and I said, I don't think we a- are ever going to exactly be at that normal place we once were. In all respects. Yeah. So, yeah, he mentions the
3: different kinds of people that we'll have in post quarantine church. And one of those yeah. he mentions is digital only people. Yeah. And so I was, I was wanting mm-hmm. to maybe discuss some things of how. In what ways can we make an effort to reach those who are only digitally connected to our church? I mean, I think about those who might even be in different states that have come Mm -hmm. across our worship assemblies and and are consistently worshiping with us. They might not have a local Mm -hmm. congregation and might Mm -hmm. even be contributing financially to our churches. How how do we go about in this post-quarantine world ministering to people who might consider themselves members of our local church but don't necessarily live in our local communities?
1: Well, I can give you three perfect examples of that. I have three sisters that live in Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and and my three sisters, uh, two of them, never, never go to church. But during this pandemic, they started watching the uh, College Church uh, live stream, and they are regular members. And one of my sisters sends her contribution to the College Church, and. I'm going to encourage her to f- find a local church there mm-hmm. in Atlanta. But uh, there are three of my sisters that – two of them and one of them wasn't very regular. They're, they're, they're there every Sunday. They sign in. Mm-hmm. I see their names every Sunday. And so we're reaching people yeah. like that 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 uh, are are, are a part of that digital mm-hmm. process. And I think we've got tons of people out there. I, I suspect here that you have people watching yes. that you've never – Ever had maybe even in your building? Probably haven't mm-hmm. had them in, in the building. Yeah. And so this is part of the blessing of this. And and then I think a side benefit is we have a lot of shut-ins who are for the f- first t- first time in a long time going to be able to have contact with a kind of a normal church service. Yeah. You know, where they can be a part of it, mm-hmm. rather than just somebody bringing the Lord's Supper to them on Sunday afternoons. Right. something mm-hmm. They can be actually be a part of it. So, mm-hmm. so it's that's a blessing. But there are a lot of people out there that are going to be tagging into us and. And how we reach those people is going to be part of the struggle. Yeah, yeah.
2: I've been very encouraged by our eldership here at Westside, and I'm sure the elders at the college. And you also serve as an elder at the college church, John. One elder, So um, our elders have been very supportive of our efforts to upgrade our uh, online presence, mm-hmm. whether it be through our uh, website mm-hmm. or our uh, video. Uh, programming, our live streams, things such as this. Mm -hmm. They've, in fact, just recently even have made a financial uh, outlay for us to purchase some equipment that will help us to upgrade uh, these things so that we can continue, even as we have plans now to start coming back together on a more regular basis, uh, but we can continue our efforts uh, reaching out to people online. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I I have uh, been doing some reading around in this area and read some recent uh, Barna research that said that we're going to have to learn how to be as creative and as innovative and as inspiring on our outline, uh, on our online digital presence Mm -hmm. as we are with our in-church, in-house presence. And we've got to give the same sort of thinking to that digital church mm-hmm. as we do to the our actual meeting mm-hmm. present in, in person with each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that's a new domain for a lot of folks. It sounds like you guys are making some good headway, though, know, in this.
0: We're trying yeah. to, because it's, it's one of those things that I think before this, you know, there were some churches that, that really saw the value in this and, and moved towards it and yeah. we're doing a lot of online stuff. Um, but certainly this has caused a boom in online presence for yeah. churches everywhere, which is yeah. such a huge blessing. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we just want to, our effort is just kind of, how can we continue to do that? Um, mm-hmm. n- and now we're starting to think, okay, well, everyone's coming back. You know, th- things are kind of, we're getting vaccines and there's a lot of mandates being lifted and things mm-hmm. like that. So more people are coming back that had maybe chosen not to be there before. Mm -hmm. So now, what is the value of our digital content going forward? Or how do we reach people with that? So Mm -hmm. It's kind of the question that's been on our minds.
1: Well, it's going to have to be something we pay a a lot of attention to, I think. And and a lot of us just stumbled into it, you know, forced into it. We had (laughs) had no – we didn't know what the Zoom was. We we had no idea what it was like to live stream and even how to find it, you know. And so it's forced us to do some things we did not really – been too uh, uh, too much on the edge of cutting edge of doing, but other churches have you know, and and one of the things I've wanted for a long time is for us to have a a Sunday morning broadcast so that people here mm-hmm. in service maybe I, in Sursey, I don't know uh, you know where we have a channel or something because we've got great preaching we have got great s- churches. And uh, and we're not doing it. You know, we're doing what we're doing now with live streaming and stuff, but these people have channels out there. Mm-hmm. And we have to think a little bigger, I think, than <laughs> even what we're doing now. Mm, yeah. Good point. To yeah. reach these people. One of the things that uh, Tom
3: Rainer outlines in his book is the challenges that we face going forward. And you did a great job in your book review uh, kind of outlining those challenges. And I was curious to ask, what do you see as maybe one of the greatest challenges of these that he outlines?
1: Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. <clears throat> we play golf together. Well, not name is name. <laughs> and he said uh, something that I think is pretty representative and he said, you know, said I don't know if I'm going to be coming back to the mm-hmm. church uh, again. He said, I can sit at my breakfast table. I can sit there in my underwear. I can <laughs> sip my coffee and eat my breakfast while I watch the live streaming from the church. And if I don't like that guy preaching, I can mm. switch over and I can listen to another Church of Christ preacher or I can listen to Andy, Andy Stanley. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going back or not. I've got a... Just a whole – I've got a plethora Mm -hmm. of of choices out there to to choose from, and I don't know if I'm going to go back or not. And that's going to be the challenge with a lot of folks. This guy's a good Uh, good Christian man, too. And so –
2: I was talking to my neighbor not long ago, um, a woman who lives across the uh, the street from us, a very sweet lady, and she's a member of the college church. But she uh, she regularly tells me she says I I listen to you on Sunday morning, and then I listen to Noel, and then I listen to someone else, and and so you know that she's just getting a whole as you say a whole plethora yeah, of different speakers throughout yeah. out the day. Oh yeah, and uh, and and I think I think that's right. I think that's one of the big concerns that church leaders have today is how do we maintain a connectivity with People who have uh, settled into this online presence mm-hmm. and uh, just feel very comfortable with it and really don't have any desire to come back physically.
1: Yeah, it's e- it's e- it's e- it's easy church. It's yeah. easy. It's easy church. And and I think there's a, a huge downside to that because you miss the fellowship, you yes. miss being with everybody, and and the upbuilding and encouragement. And it's, it's it's not a good thing. I think in the long run. But but this thing is causing some challenges. Like like this friend of mine watches everything, uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I have not been in our church building for a morning worship since March of last year. I've I've been in that uh, little uh, risky area, and and I just haven't been back. And I've got my COVID shots now, and I guess I can go back and do something now, but. But but we've kind of grown comfortable. We get up and we watch it, and you know my hair is not washed, and I can you know, <laughs> have him shaved. I can get up and go to church, you know, and sit there at the table and just have a good old time. And if we don't like this guy, we can you know we watch Daniel Stanley or somebody like yeah. that. <laughs> and and here is the challenge that this is facing for us is that now we are more in a more competitive world. Yes, our people mm-hmm. are seeing some really good preaching out there. And I'm a preacher, uh, I'm a pre- I worked at Harding for 40 years so I could afford to go out to these little churches and basically preach for nothing, because I wanted to help them. And so I'm a preacher at Harding, and I'm talking mainly to, as, as a preacher and to myself. But these people are seeing a different type of preaching out there. They're, if, if they're looking at something and this guy, our local preacher or church, wherever, is not interesting, he's boring, they can flip to somebody that's interesting. Uh, if this guy is not you know, working out the text and doing something helpful, and if he's doing fluff and a lot of sound and fury, switch over to somebody that's preaching from the text and give me something that will help my life.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I'm, I'm saying to myself as a preacher, as preachers, we got to step up our game, and this whole thing has caused preachers to have to do that. And the ones that don't, it's the kiss of death. Yes, if if preachers don't step up their game and hmm. and and become interesting instead of doing the same old thing all the time, you know some preachers preach topical sermons all over the every all, every Sunday. Uh, I've done, I've I've done my share of them. I'm not being down on that, but but unless we learn how to be to do narrative preaching and inductive and deductive combination, and we do uh, something like Thomas Long in his little book uh, preaching the. Uh, genre of the new uh, the, of the the Bible, where we learn how to preach a different genre mm-hmm. of the Bible, mm-hmm. and we we are interesting because if we're not interested interesting, people have got all kinds of choices out there, mm-hmm. and we and and I'm hoping a lot of our preachers will step up their, uh, step up their game, whether they want to or not. <laughs> you know, I'm talking to myself now.
2: Well, me too. I'm I I definitely feel the challenge. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's. Preaching has changed so much over the last number of years, uh, you know, because you didn't you didn't have to worry about putting together a PowerPoint, you know, years ago and things like that. And uh, so I'm I'm right with you. I'm right there with you, and it is a challenge.
1: And 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 I'm really convinced that we have to get back to biblical preaching, and that is, in my humble judgment, expository preaching. And if you look at the churches that are growing, you know I've looked at uh, uh, churches, uh, some of these uh, Bible fellowship churches. They're not preaching topical sermons. They're preaching solid sermons. I don't agree with their, a lot of their theology, but I, I tell you what, they're preaching some solid sermons from the text. Mm-hmm. And and I'm hoping that's a move toward more, being more biblical on their part. But we need to do that. And and I think our people are seeing. That there's a lot of fluff out there, and hmm. mm-hmm. in, 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 and in our preaching, in our churches, and we've got to, we got to rise to the challenge, or we're going to lose a lot of people because they, they they can go, and at the flip of a the switch, they can be out there somewhere else. Yeah, right. Yeah. So.
0: Well, we had Noel on our <clears throat> podcast last week, Noel Whitlock from the College Church of mm-hmm. Christ, and one of the things that he pointed out that was so essential was the idea of fellowship. That what we're missing right now, we have more mm-hmm. content than ever. Yeah. We're getting more. You know daily devotionals and and sermons and things like that classes out on video mm-hmm. but what that lacks is that sense of fellowship the sense of being yeah. together and i think what the pandemic brought out was this reality that so much of our fellowship centers around coming together at the building Yeah. and then when we couldn't do that well yeah. we were kind of left going well, what do we do Yeah. Uh, how do we sort of maybe adapt to understand that and help people um, maybe who are sitting in that digital only realm who are questioning why would I come back? Because fellowship to me seems like the key to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I think some of these people. I think Rainer calls them the stragglers. I, I think that some of these people will come back. And this and he said that these folks that are kind of digitally with with us may be the rich ground for us to to mm-hmm. bring in the harvest yeah. with with some of these folks that are not with us, but they are kind of with us. And um, I think that this is going to be a, a challenge for us because we've learned that we don't have to be in the church building to be the church. Mm. And if there's yeah. any lesson mm. we have learned, it's that. We, we've we emphasized all of my life, you know, and I've always been a member of the Church of Christ, and I hope I always will be, plan to be, mm. but we've always been church building centered. And, and now for the first time, we get, we're saying, well, we can be the church, and a lot of people are doing it, you know, just with their families, you know. Even though they don't have the fellowship of the broader church, they have, they have that little family unit, and then that's their little fellowship group. Others are just meeting with uh, maybe some neighbors down the street, and they got eight or 10 in their homes. So I think that the fellowship component is necessary across the board, but a lot of people are getting the fellowship. And you know they're, they're not getting it in their church building, mm. but they're getting it, and at least a lot of people are. I know some mm-hmm. folks that... That uh, they have, you know, twenty or thirty meeting in their home, in, in their backyard mm-hmm. when it was pretty, and so they're getting that angle. And so, I think if we only assume that you can get it at the church building, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Th- that's a that's a force we got to deal with, and we've got to learn how to be play to that. That you know, not we got to find out some way to plug into that and right. to encourage that because if that's what they're doing, and they're not gonna come back to the building, let Let's work with that, you know, and be flexible enough to work with that.
2: You know, uh, there's another, um, you kind of lead into another area of the book. Uh, He devotes a a chapter to talking about repurposing our buildings. Oh,
1: man, that's powerful. And I
2: thought that was an excellent (laughs) chapter because uh, so many of our congregations have been guilty of this. We have built Uh, very expensive structures that basically are only used three or four hours out of the entire week. And uh, he talks about ways in which our buildings can become more community-focused. One of the illustrations I know that he used was a, a church that had actually set up a a community laundromat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking, whoa. Yeah, yeah
1: no, <laughs> that was uh, that was on the edge of. My <laughs> I was right kind of like, whoa. I wait can't a get minute. my mind around that. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But
2: uh, don't anybody think I've got any ideas here? But I was just like, <laughs> well, but.
0: But maybe yeah. maybe yeah. what if that's <clears throat> not as crazy as we think it is? I mean, yeah. he pointed out that yeah. that was an inventive way to get a connection with the community. Yeah so yeah. and he point another point that he makes very distinctly is you either connect with that community or you're going to be in trouble yeah, i mean you yeah. you're not going to last long if you have no real connection with that that outside community and certainly the you know as scripture would say the field is white for harvest right? yeah, it's, yeah. it's ready that yeah. people are out there yeah. that need direction that need guidance that need the story we have are we going to say well because i won't put a couple of uh Coin-operated laundry machines in the building and open it up to people. That I'm not willing to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's, it's kind of yeah. like what, what? Where does the line stop? Where we say, well, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that to to advance the gospel. Yeah. We, we've got to be creative,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. If it would save one soul, would it be worth it putting a mm. coin-operated right there? Yeah. Right. But I think they also mentioned maybe having a police substation at the church. Yeah, yeah, you know, where the police, mm. or at least well, at least the police could come in and do right. a break have a break or, room yeah. or something yeah. like that. You know? Yeah. And we don't use our buildings. In fact, what we do is, back in the medieval times, they would build a moat around the castle. <laughs> right. You know, uh-huh. I think a lot of our buildings symbolically have dug yeah. moats around the building, and it's just for our members. Mm. And uh, you know, we don't use it, to, you know, two or three hours a week. Right. But uh, we we've kept out people that we could, we could have a stream of people coming in if we really put our mind to it, mm-hmm. and we're willing to be flexible and to move out of our move out of our comfort zones a little bit. We could have. We could be doing all kinds of things, and and I love his idea. Find out from the neighborhood mm-hmm. how, what they're thinking is about how how they can use the building a little bit, you know. Yeah. And at least we can get some input from right. people, you know, about mm-hmm. about this. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. in fact, I don't know if it was in Reiner's book or some other place, but uh, there was a church that had a a a code of who could use the building and the rules. It was 64 pages yeah. long, <laughs> yeah. this church. It was like a book of things that you had, hoops you had to jump into yeah. and who could use the book, who yeah. could use the church, when when it could be used, by whom. And it was 64 pages long. You know, and I thought, well, I, I can understand that. Yeah.
0: You know, I've seen, I, I've seen a it. document or two like that. Ours is not 64 pages, but yeah. we've got one of those.
3: Yeah. 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 I, yeah, his point was that's a great deterrent to keep the community out yeah, of the facilities it's, is it's, you shove 64 pages of guidelines in front of them no thanks we'll find somewhere <laughs> yeah, else that's right we'll go, yeah. we'll
1: go down there's another church down the road will welcome us with open arms you know right. and and, yeah. and our families and everybody we know, but it'll welcome right. us down there, you know. Yeah, and I mean, that leads into a, real, a,
3: a necessity to shift the way we think about community outreach, uh, a necessity to uh, have a cultural shift uh, in our churches, and he does mention that, you know, cultural shift would be one of the l- last things that come, but... In, in trying to shift our thinking, uh, what do you think might be the best way for uh, churches leadership to go about um, assisting in that necessary shift of thinking? yeah
1: well, I think it, it goes it goes back to how how can we open this building up to be relevant to the people around us and and I think part of it would be to have things like uh, alcohol is anonymous, mm. uh, we could have a recovery for uh, Divorce people. We could have recovery groups for you know children of uh, of, uh, of uh, you know whatever. But we could uh, we could look, think at all the needs and the hurts We we are a hurting society mm. from A to mm. Z, and we could make a list, a pretty long list of of people who are hurting out there. And why not do something at the building to connect with people like yeah. that yeah. and. And to find out where we can maybe be a part of their their connection to mm-hmm. life, and then maybe move them from there to even become Christians. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just going to have to get out of our little comfort zone, hmm. man. We are, you know, we're very <laughs> prone to do that to get in our little comfort yeah. zone, and it hurts our brains to think about something different.
2: Yeah, and yes, we're, we're going to have to get over that. Yes,
1: if we're going to do anything to connect with this new world we're in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's something that we, you know, as we kind of think going forward is getting out of our comfort zones because certainly there is not a thing about the gospel that says comfortable. Yeah. There's not a there's not a time no. when Jesus says, oh, this will be easy, it'll be comfortable, yeah. it'll be nice. You, you know, you just kind of do this and, and we'll get through and everything will be good. It's very much a, a, a challenge that Christ puts to us that you are going to get out of your comfort zone. You are going to do something that's yeah. difficult for yeah. you so how do we um, sort of make <clears throat> some of these changes? And and we all know we, we struggle with uh, change. We struggle mm-hmm. with adapting to new things. How do we do that in the most loving way possible to help people understand we don't want to destroy what you've always known and loved about the church? You're, you're mm-hmm. here now. Mm-hmm. We want to see more people come to know Christ. So how do we help people kind of work their way through those changes when really we we struggle with change?
1: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I have uh, I have I have thought a lot since I've not been in the church building. I've had a lot of time to reflect, and I've had a very heretical thought. and And the thought is, how can we do better? That's my that's my heretical thought. How can we do better? Um, we don't like asking that question. As elderships, we got we're comfortable. We got the good old boy, good old boy group, and and we don't want to rock the boat. And we, we but it, it, oh, to your point, it goes back to the eldership. If the elders are willing to open up their eyes, if they're willing to kind of be willing to do some things different, and you're always going to have people who who reject. There's always going to be an element in the church that no matter what you do, they're going to be against it. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate to say that about my brother, but I've preached for 50 to 60 years now, and I've never seen a church where you didn't have some – Maybe person or some little group that was going to stop the work of the church over mm-hmm. their objection, and we've got to move beyond that. We've got to be elderships who are willing to take some heat and then be willing to educate our people. And if mm-hmm. they don't like what we're doing with the building, we've got to educate them about what the church is. It's not the building. We, you know, we all know that, but some people don't know that too well. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of what ha- is going to happen. Whether we move forward or whether we stay like we are or move back, probably it's going to depend on the elders. Whether the elders will will be open their eyes and be willing to be flexible enough to say, "Look, we got to we got to move forward. We're going to have some people that are not going to be on this bus. You know, mm-hmm. they may be waiting for another bus down the road, but they're not going to be on this bus. We're all on right here, yeah. and then they're going to fuss and get up some dust." But we're going to have to move on without without them if right. that's the way it has to be. Yeah. You know, they, they can go down the road someplace mm, if it that, comes. Because we can't stop this church from being the church that needs to be the, the people of this world. Yeah. That's we, exactly right. And that, if, we, if we can't get over that, we are <laughs> doomed for failure. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: That was one of the things that Tom <laughs> pointed out that, that I thought about was so difficult to understand was – you know he, he kind of says like you, you got to do what you got to do and if you're if you're doing what's right and what's scriptural and you're trying to reach people with the gospel and somebody just doesn't like it because they're uncomfortable with it yeah you're right they're gonna miss this bus and yeah. that's that's on them that's yeah. not on you you've got to be willing to stand for the gospel first and kind of say if, if you can't be loving and educated brother and help try to do everything yeah. you can to help someone understand mm-hmm. why you're doing things mm-hmm. differently and they still don't want to accept that, that that maybe that's that's on them. And we need to be okay with that, that they're going to make that choice.
2: I just finished um, writing an article for our local paper that uh, I entitled, Invest and Improve. uh, And and I related a story. Uh, Back in the uh, early uh, 1990s, uh, for five, six years, I preached for a a congregation in a small town about 40 miles from uh, Searcy those of you who know me know where I'm talking about but I won't mention the name of the town but back in the uh, I guess probably in the 1970s this up-and-coming retail company uh, called Walmart uh, came to the uh, uh, city leaders of that town and said we'd like to put a distribution center here uh, in your town and uh, uh, the, uh, the the deal was the the city leaders were going to have to fund some uh, capital improvements water sewage streets things such as this to uh, to make that happen mm-hmm. and they said uh, you know they talked about it and they said no we don't want to do that no we're, we're not willing to make the investment and so uh, Walmart said okay well they came to Cersei. <laughs> Yeah. This was in the late seventies. I, I can remember uh, being a student here at the time when the first distribution center was built out here on Park. Yeah. Well, that that was supposed to have been built uh, elsewhere, but did not know that <laughs> they they came here, and not only did that thrive. They ended up building a second distribution center yeah. on yeah. South Main. And now I would dare say those two distribution centers mm-hmm. were, are major employers mm-hmm. yeah. here yeah. in this city, while the other town is just about to dry up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just sad. And I think the church is the same way. If we are not willing to invest mm-hmm. in these things uh, in whatever ways needs to happen then we are really setting a stage yeah. for yeah. a failure.
1: Oh, we are, and that's Rainer's th- thought right there in a nutshell: that we we cannot use the methods that used to work in a world that's no longer there. Oh, yeah. Because this that's world cool. that we used to be in, and those methods may have worked, and those things may have worked there, but we're we're living in a new <clears throat> era, whether we like it or not, whether we even realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that was that the Bob Dylan's song, The Times They Are A-Changing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hey, listen, brother, we need to be playing yeah. that at our elders' meetings, you know.
1: <laughs> take, we'll take out the instrumental music part, but we'll play it at,
0: you know, The Times They Are A-Changing, you know. I think if you take the music out of Bob Dylan, you don't have much left. <laughs> you know, You're right. You're right. But, uh, but you know, this
1: is – and what you're saying, Steve, is so true. We, you know, businesses ask the question all the time, how can we do better? Why aren't churches doing this all the time? Why aren't we all the time saying, how can we be better here? How can we do better Mm -hmm. here? And we have to ask it of our, and I hate to say it, I'm a preacher. We have to ask it of our preaching. How can we do better? Does the preacher need to step it up somehow or another? Or move them out? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to say. But we got to ask the question, how can we do better? Businesses do it all the time. Athletes, I play golf. I like to play. I like, how can I do better? Mm -hmm. I know professional golfers they are always asking that question how can we how can i do better yeah and i hope in the church we can be comfortable with that and not be put off with how can we do better what what can we do to connect better with this neighborhood mm. yeah. what can we do to, yeah. to make it work better
3: yeah Raynor he he addressed 9 key changes, I I believe it was, towards the end of his book that kind of addressed that heretical question that you've been reflecting (laughs) on, and that is how can we do better? And one of the things that he mentions is doing a few things well Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to do a lot of things, you know, somewhat average. And so to me, that implies a need to prune uh, maybe various ministries and in going forward, what would be a healthy way for churches to maybe look to pruning different activities uh, different ministries even
2: yeah
1: Well, I think we have to be focused and and the the main focus that I, I I'm very biased about this but but evangelism, you know we need to do whatever it takes to be evangelistic in this church and And things that we do in the church, ministries we do in the church that are not contributing to that need to be looked at. Mm -hmm. Any activity of the church that does not forward the idea and the process of reaching lost people, whatever it is, if it's something we're doing, we sponsor, whatever. If it's not, if we have an Easter egg hunt, whatever. If it's not helping to contact people and make a point to at least a point of contact for people who are not Christians, Mm -hmm. we, we don't need to be doing it we're going to have to look at everything from top to bottom and yeah. say what do we do and become focused more on discipleship mm-hmm. and and helping People that don't know the Lord come into the church, yeah. come in, become Christians.
3: Yeah, and that's a great point because I think in his discussion, as we were mentioning earlier about uh, church facilities, mm-hmm. changing the way that we think about the church facilities just being for us and yeah. shifting that to how can we use our facilities as a means of outreach. Yeah. Uh, you know, we mentioned a uh, coin laundry Matt. Yeah. you know if we if we just put that out there uh, but not make it a point of evangelism. Yeah. If we just make this you know a service to the community yeah. but not utilize that to teach people that are coming in to utilize. That service, then it's a it's a lost cause. Boy, <laughs>
1: yeah, he, he made along that uh, the same line. He made such a great point. Uh, the church usually is for us. It's the it's the tool for us, and it is a tool. We have to have a place, but we don't think about how can we use this church <clears throat> as, as a tool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a tool. It's a resource that we can use, and and we're just going to have to do some yeah. good, fresh, new, new thinking about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Well, I
2: think uh, we see that taking place even in our community here. Uh, there is a rapidly growing uh, church here in uh, Searcy that uh, is, uh, just has recently moved into new facilities mm-hmm. that are very prominently located. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what they did was, of all things, <laughs> They took an old warehouse and repurposed it, yeah. but it's strategically located, and uh, I've not been in it, but I've heard people talk about it, and it is very, very community-focused. Yeah. In fact, uh, this week, they, they, I think, are having a COVID vaccination clinic there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's the type of thing I think we're talking about yeah. where we're going to have to get people, uh, reach out to people in our communities yeah and uh, and not just do that as as just a community service but use it to establish connections with people mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah. relationships that's yeah. a great
1: that's a great point a great example and one of the things they had that would be i guess heretical maybe in some ways for us but they put it in a coffee shop i did amago amago day is the name of it some groups coming in there and they're going to have a coffee shop in there. People are going to become—it's a point of contact. We've got to look for for points of contact, mm-hmm. and and the building can be used for that. And and they are they are doing it. I told Sherry the other day. I said, "There's going to be a huge sucking sound in this town. It's going to be that church sucking members, sucking students, right off under our noses, mm-hmm. because they're willing to do some things that we're not willing to do, mm-hmm. yeah. and and." You know that's just going to be the bottom line to it, and uh, it's not going to be pretty in yeah. some places.
0: And that's yeah. kind of that's kind of Tom's point too. Is if, you know that that's when you dry up. That's when things yeah. go wrong. When you realize that if you're going to keep it all the same way and you're not going to adapt, you don't yeah. survive.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: That, That's the only way to survive yeah. is to adapt and care about that community and reach out to it, and yeah. you know really be the gospel. That's mm-hmm. what it, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. We're talking about the original. Uh, Command from Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. Carry yeah. this message out into the world. He didn't say, "Well, do it a certain way." And if it doesn't work that way, oh well, they're lost. He says, yeah. "No, you leave those ninety-nine. You go get that one, and whatever it takes for you to do that, that's what you do. Yeah. That's what you do." Stop sitting on a building if that building's not gonna is not gonna serve the Lord and, and yeah. serve the gospel. Then you got to rethink what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and that's hard. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. and
2: and you know, and and I think <clears throat> uh, I think it probably bears saying. Uh, I don't want anybody to think that what we are uh, saying here is an endorsement of their doctrine. No. Uh, No. Not at all. But we're simply saying they have found uh, a means of connecting with people's felt needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we have to do that and then use those relationships to share. Uh, the Word of God with mm-hmm. them. and to teach what 's right, to yeah. teach what 's true, yeah. and, and you, what a great
1: point and and I 'm glad you made that point because I think when people hear me or maybe others talking about uh, how can we do better? immediately, they think we're talking about changing our doctrines, mm-hmm. and i I always have to add this disqualifier to this, or a qualifier to it, then I'm not talking about changing. We're not talking about changing mm-hmm. our doctrines, you know. We're not going to change baptism, we're not going to change yeah. women in the pulpit, we're not right. going to change speaking in tongues or handling snakes, we're not going to do, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about changing practical, everyday matters mm-hmm. that we can do better. Yeah. And that's what we've got to look at. And and. and Kind of along your lines, Steve, you know, God help us if we start changing our our beliefs in the New Testament Christianity and undenominational Christianity. Yeah. If we move away from that, we're sunk <laughs> in a big-time way. Yeah. Right. But yeah. we've got to look at some practical, um, everyday ways we can— make points of contact with with the outside world yeah. with, with these people who are not. Yeah.
3: I appreciate you bringing famous. up those cuz that was one of the questions I had is what are the vital things that we need to communicate yeah. that we're not going to change yeah. in the midst of yeah. suggesting different yeah. changes and yeah. I mean sticking to doctrine is key and yeah. you know as as Tom Rayner outlines the book and uh, two key things kind of rose to the top for me and that is the word of God mm-hmm. and the other is prayer. Yeah. And well, yeah. uh I'm, I'm interested to know what prayer ministries have you seen arise uh, that you've seen thrive? Uh, how, how should the church move forward with uh, prayer ministry? Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know uh, what other churches have done, but I, I know at the College Church we are firm believers in prayer. We spent a whole year dedicated to prayer, and we had uh, different uh, lessons on prayer taught in all of our Bible classes uh, at least once once or twice a month. We had Noel preaching on prayer. We had an emphasis on prayer. We had uh, people sign up for, you know, 24 hours of prayer. Uh, I know right now I'm part of a group and we pray and fast at least once a month. Hmm. And, you know, we, we've we kind of uh, put prayer over on the sideline a bit, but it's got to be front and center of our discipleship. It's got to be Uh, front and center of our disciple-making. It's got to be front and center of what we do at the church. It's got to be front and center of of living in a different world Mm -hmm. uh, post-COVID. We've got got to put it up there, Casey, and and, I'm glad you mentioned that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, prayer ministry has changed vitally, or yeah. you know, significantly yeah. over the last year. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've I've seen uh, you know prayer groups happening on Zoom, mm-hmm. uh, prayer ministries uh, through <clears throat> Facebook, and uh, mm-hmm. and so the the opportunities <clears throat> for prayer ministry has grown yeah. exponentially. And yeah. uh, and I'm glad that Tom and his book uh, highlighted that as, yeah. one the, as one of the is one of the Great needs yeah. and, and moving forward with the post-quarantine church.
1: It's easy to forget prayer in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy to forget prayer in the mm-hmm. life of the church and how important it is. And uh, I'm just thinking about one thing that I, I, I was impressed with myself. I'd never done it. We walked through our community praying. We just had yeah. a walk through mm-hmm. praying for this community. Yeah. We come to a house and we pray for the people in this house and mm-hmm. pray for these others and and maybe some a lot of the people we didn't know we don't know what their needs were, but but that's one way we can in a very mm-hmm. I think very if you want a kind of a easy entrance into 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 this thing I think pray, walking through the neighborhood praying for mm-hmm. the neighborhood yeah. is is a wonderful way. But boy, if prayer has got to be front and center. Mm-hmm. It's, got to, it's got to be there. We're dead in the water if we yeah. don't. Yeah, that's
3: right. Well, Paul, one
0: of the the last things we like to ask our guests as we're kind of wrapping things up here. Um, <laughs> What is a piece of Scripture, a passage, something that has stood out to you maybe over the pandemic or here recently in your in your study? What's something that stood out to you that's just really guided and helped you through all this?
1: Yeah. Well, and there's something Reiner mentioned in his book uh, toward the end, and and that is we've got to know in the midst of all of this, God is with us. And I love that passage over in Matthew 28, mm-hmm. 19 and yep. 20, you know, uh, you go into all of the world, you you take that gospel and he said, I am with you always. I am with you always And and that's something that has stuck out with me that in the midst of, of our very you know, bad situation, it's just been a bad situation every way you look at it, God has been at work and and He is with us and He will mm-hmm. be with us and I think if we're if we're faithful, I know He'll be faithful. Yeah. But that passage has really resonated with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Mm. That's oh, a great way to summarize yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I can't think of a better <laughs> passage to end with. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Something better else thought. that
3: we uh, enjoy asking is, uh, you know, we've been talking about this book, the, the whole podcast, but there, has there been any other book that has kind of rose to the surface, been kind of top of thinking uh, outside yeah. of the, outside of the Bible yeah. uh, that you've read in the last few months that yeah. you'd like to mention?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I read, I read all the time hmm. and, uh, uh, Canoe in the Mountains has been good. Yeah. You, some of you guys may have read that. Man, incredible book. I love Lewis and Clark, and <laughs> man, the leadership lessons in that book—you could, you could spend the whole, you could spend whole session just going back Canoe in the Mountains.
2: It's interesting. I think uh, I've mentioned that. No one mentioned that too. So, uh, so that's two weeks in a row. So you might want to go check <laughs> that <laughs> book out. <That's> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I think the book that has probably had as much impact on me as any of them has been Disciple Shift. not discipleship, but Disciple Shift. And uh, we've started a discipleship, disciple making. We, we have, I have to be careful here because some people think it's uh, the crossroads uh, Boston, you know, disciple thing. But but there is a biblical there's a biblical mandate for disciple making, and we're trying to take that very seriously at the college church. And we have a disciple making ministry, and uh, we 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 are using Discovery Bible Study. I don't know if you know if you're familiar with Discovery. One of the best ways in the world to reach out to people, and uh, anybody can do it. You can, anybody, everybody in this church, everybody at the college church, ought to know how to do a disciple study. It's, it's straightforward, simple. That has changed my thinking a lot. The disciple shift is really a, a book that has uh, tons of good wisdom about how to reach out. Most of us have not done it. As preachers, you know, I preach my sermon, and that's my reach out, you know. Or I, you know, that's it. Or I'm an elder, and I, I'm i shepherding some folks. But but there's so many other ways to to reach out. We've got to be, and he mentions this in the book, that we're in a world where we're getting to know our neighbors a little bit. You yes. know, everybody walks, well, not, as things have changed. But, you know, at the time, the only thing you could do to, to get out and and entertain yourself was to either play golf, which was a very bad habit. Uh, you know, Churchill said it's a, it's a bad walk, dis- disturbed, destroyed. A good, I mean, a good walk, disturbed, or killed. But, uh, but, you know, walking. And, and people in our neighborhood, I have seen people up and down our street I would never seen mm-hmm. before. Yeah. And we'd get to talking, and we'd be out walking, and, oh, I live just down here or over mm-hmm. here. And so – we've we we, we we've got a, a world now where we can make some contacts and yeah. and we've got to just figure out how to capitalize on that and Discipleshift has changed my thinking about evangelism hmm. I'm always on the look at it I get my best prospects over at Planet Fitness uh, I'm always looking out for some guy and I have one guy I was sitting next to a chair they have these uh, a uh, few been there. They got these massage chairs, and mm. you're sitting right next to a person for ten or fifteen minutes. It's a Golden opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, old Larry was there, and I was talking to Larry, and uh, he a few months before that he'd been on the verge of suicide, oh, uh, wow. and just all kinds of hmm. things. And so I said, Hey, Larry, how would you like to come to church with us? Came to church with us. We had Bible studies with him. we we'd, we'd, we'd worked with him, and and I've got a long. I've of course. I've been away from Planet Fitness now with this COVID thing, but when I got a long list of folks out there. They don't know it, but Old, old Pollard's going to be uh, popping the question. You <laughs> And I'm always I love them. it in my neighborhood. If an ambulance comes through and stops at somebody's house, next day I go there and say, "Is there anybody I can pray for?" I got Old Grant and Mary. I'm working with them. They're kind of little interesting folks, but I got Larry down the street from me. He's a, he sits out on his front porch. Got to know him. He gives me turtles. I, I We take cookies to him, bread. <laughs> you know, you've got to be on the lookout. And and I've mm. had my awareness heightened. The disciple shift has caused that. So I would say that book has probably been it. Okay. Well, thank so, you so much.
2: Well,
0: dramatic. Paul, thank you so much yeah. for joining us for today's yeah, podcast. You. We thank really, you. really appreciate thank you giving you. us your time. Love uh, being here. <laughs> As we kind of sign off, as usual, we always say, if you have any questions, things you'd like for us to answer, if you'd like to pass a question along to Paul, you can always email the church, questions at wschurch.net, and we will certainly pass along a question if you have it for Paul, or if you have a question you would love for us to answer live on the show, please yeah. send us send us your questions, and we would be more than happy yeah. to do that. But,
1: yeah. And my middle name is Doc Dodge and Hyde. Doc, Doc, <laughs> Doc Dodge and Hyde. So, any questions? <laughs> yeah, that's my middle name, Dodging High. That's actually the name of my brother's business. It's Dodging High.
0: Dodging High. <laughs> well, as always, we love you guys. We're so thankful that you tuned in to our podcast today, awesome. and we hope yeah. that you guys have a wonderful day. God bless. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank awesome. you, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Yeah.